You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 257 and 258 of Fed by Ravens, where we are working through the entirety of the Holy Scriptures. Yes, we are. We're engaging it through oral tradition. If you're not reading it along with us, fear not. We are reading it, and we are talking about it, and you are listening to it, and you know what we've figured out? That's not going to hurt you. It's going to be good for you. So, where are we today in the Old Testament? Our Old Testament reading for today is Isaiah chapters 33 through 37. We're just glad you're here, uh, because I think last episode we broke out in the giggles. And we don't want to do that again, Matt. That was... Or do we? Intense. No, not no. not two episodes think, in a row. I think that was good. I'm gonna keep it serious. Keep right. it safe. Let's keep it. Uh, let's keep it safe. And uh, <clears throat> chapter 33 has the old "Oh Lord, be gracious to us" as a as a part of it. Oh, in, in yeah. chapter 33, it does have a does. "Oh Lord, Oh Lord, be gracious, gracious to, to us. us." We wait for you because the promise is uh, it's being addressed to Assyria. Yes, they are going to get destroyed for their um, part in destroying the people of God. Yeah, so again, this is kind of reiterating that the uh, rod of discipline will itself be disciplined and destroyed. Uh, so we, there is like a quick brief section of a proper response from the people of God saying, crying out to God, which they have not done. And so it's almost... If in 33, you kind of think of this as a shift to um, the reign of Hezekiah, who was a God-fearing man and one of the best kings in Judah's history, other than David, Um, you do see in this this, uh, chapter them kind of turning and crying out to God and God responding of, oh, yeah, I will destroy this uh, force that's come against you. Yeah, I mean it's a similar, it's the same cycle. I mean at this point we're in the middle of Isaiah, and you got to see the cycle, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> repent, right? Turn to God and be comforted. Yes, I mean essentially, um, and so the whole experience is about forgiveness and salvation, and then God's beauty is seen in His love for sinners. Mm-hmm. I, that's one of the lines I got out of chapter thirty-three. That throughout all of this, you can read it, and it can be out of context, and you can go, "Wow, this is harsh." But really what the people of God are seeing, if you're following the whole story, is God's beauty and mm-hmm. his love for sinners, which we are chief of, Matt. Yeah. It, okay. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm the chief of sinners and you're with me. So okay. hang yeah. on. Dang it. Guilt by association, bro. Uh, so in the last chapter, or last verse of chapter 33, I just really liked, and no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. Beautiful. Then in chapter 34, uh, judgment turns not just to Assyria and not just to Israel and Judah, but to all the nations who have forsaken God. Yes, and so he's calling down judgment upon all the earth and their gods, and he kind of lumps them underneath the category of Edom. He calls them all Edom, who, if you remember, Edom is associated to Esau, Yep. And if you remember Esau's story, he's the one who uh, disdained or rejected his birthright. 
yeah. and gave it to his brother for a bowl of soup. And so <clears throat> the idea is God is going to punish all of those who have forsaken the birthright, forsaken basically the birthright to all humans, yeah. all humanity of you are children of God. Here's, here's what I was thinking it through. So we're all under the judgment, like all nations are under the judgment of God. And what does that look like? And I do, I'm thinking in terms of order and disorder. Mm -hmm. So like the blessings are, you'll be protected from your enemies, your crops will grow, your children will be Mm -hmm. healthy. Like all the things of blessing are how God ordered the world to work. It's when things, so like you were gone at the end of last week, my motorcycle didn't start. I was very upset. It disordered my life. Oh no. But anyway, I figured it out. Um, I just needed a trickle charge the battery and it took me like two hours to take everything apart i got i got everything apart and then i found out that the the because i bought this used he had leads already on the battery all i had to do was remove one little part and plug in the trickle charger it was already there oh man but i was just thinking of the disorder and so we're trying our whole lives are built around i want there to be order i want to know what Mm -hmm. to expect i want to get in my car and i want it to work and the air to work and when it doesn't it disorders and so that is over all nations. Mm-hmm. And the promise of God is you trust me and I will order your world and give you my blessing and my protection and be fruitful and multiply. And so even the earth, it's like he'll stretch the line of confusion over it and plumb the plumb line of emptiness. Those are haunting words to me. So like apart from God, the line of confusion and the plumb line of emptiness. I mean, does that not describe so much of culture, godless culture, yeah, confusion and emptiness. And yeah. that's the search. And so you search for clarity and you search for to be filled and you get it by God's grace in little glimpses, but it's mm-hmm. never complete. It's never full. And so that's the, uh, the judgment is going to fall over everybody because he loves the whole world. And then Isaiah's prophecies will be mated like birds, they will come to pass. Like, like yeah. mated like birds, like they they will come to pass. The word of the yes. Lord will not fail. It's like two birds finding a mate. It's mm-hmm. like weeds growing from the gutter. Yeah, it happens. It will happen. And uh, so we end with that, and we go into thirty five, which so thirty four was the law. Yes, saying this is what's going to happen to all those who have rejected God. They will fall into confusion and disorder. And then we get into 35, but the things that looked dead yeah. to the world, the wilderness, will be brought to life because the Lord will restore and heal and uh, love. And that's it. God's judgment comes to pass, but we praise God because he declares us not guilty mm-hmm. on account of Christ. So this chapter 35 is a beautiful little section about confess your sins in the confidence of the Lord, that he has redeemed you, and by grace alone... And prepared you for a new way of life. So, does this chapter actually say, be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come and save you? It does. Good. Because I wrote that down. I liked it. Uh, And you just said, death is turned to life. Yes. And actually, there was a couple cool verses in here. In verses, uh, well, verse 8, he's talking about the wilderness. And he says, a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. Yeah. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. And again, the idea that Jesus is, he announces that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so this is, again, is pointing towards Christ and that he is going to be the way of holiness. And then even 
the early Christians were called people of the way. I know, it's so cool, because you figure if we're going to walk somewhere, we got to go somewhere. It's like, Lord, protect us from, I don't want to know that there's no wild animals there, Mm -hmm. and I want to know there's no robbers there, like, Mm -hmm. and I want to know. And even if I don't understand everything that's going on, and I'm new to this way, that I won't stray from it. I want to know, yeah, that I don't get lost. I want to know the path is still there and not been washed out. I want to know there's not a flash flood or an avalanche. I want to know these things. And that's what Jesus invites us to. He's like, I am the way. We will. I will walk this way with you. And so if there is mm-hmm. something there, I will protect you. But I can't just say, I mean, I'm telling you, this is the way to go with me. Yeah, and then I love it because then he says this, but then he also says, "What? where is this way leading? Yeah. And he says, uh, the redeemed shall walk there and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I like that. Sighing shall flee away. Yeah. So as this <sighs> is what the way is leading, That's the awesome. way of holiness is leading us to uh, being restored to Christ, being restored to God the Father and having joy and peace with him. Sweet. Really cool. And then 36... And 37. 37, you get into a historical excursus, or as you like to say... Sweet, sweet narrative. Get back into some sweet narrative. We kind of come back to the story. Um, first of all, Isaiah is explaining that Assyria's defeat, like why Assyria is going to be defeated is because mm-hmm. their arrogance and everything. But then he gets into the story of Rabshakeh, Real Rob Shaka. The real Rob Shaka. I want to watch Please that. Please stand up. Yeah, so he's the cupbearer for the king of uh, Sennacherib. And um, he comes to meet with the leaders of Hezekiah mm-hmm. to basically say, hey, so you've maybe you've noticed we've uh, taken over all the surrounding nations and we're coming for you next. So let's just make a deal. Let's make this as easy as possible. How about you surrender to us? Mm-hmm. And then we'll see, you know, things will go better if you just... Do it this way. Maybe right. you'll get to keep some things, but you're going to come under our control, and we're we're going to take over. Yeah, because at this point, they have plundered the northern tribes. Right, Samaria's, the northern tribes are gone. They're already gone. Everything's gone, and so um, and we've heard, you know, so Rabshakeh shows up in the stead of King Sennacherib to find out that Hezekiah's people are like, yeah, we're not going to surrender to you, mm-hmm. and Rabshakeh is very disappointed. And he's like, why are you guys being difficult here? Yeah. Can't we just do this the easy way? And so that's when the narrative turns, and he starts going, are you guys seriously, do you think that Egypt will protect you? Because Egypt is next on the list. Yeah. And they're already old and feeble, and I wouldn't trust in their chariots or horses at all. You don't even have enough men to ride anything anyway. I could give you things. Yeah, yeah. He even says, like, okay, what if I give you 200 chariots? Yeah. I'll just give it to you. Do you even have enough men to man those chariots? Right. You don't. Rabshaka is engaging in the age-old, timeless uh, event of trash-talking. Yeah. He's like, you guys don't even have enough. Egypt's not going to help you. Oh, and let me guess, as a guy is saying the Lord's going to protect you, don't trust that. Oh, by the way, in verse 10, he says, your Lord told me to destroy this land. Like, mm-hmm. your God invited us to do this. So, just surrender. Yeah. And... He even accuses uh, Hezekiah of destroying the gods of Judah because... You made it easier for us. Because at this point, Hezekiah was like one of the first kings to even make an effort to yeah. get rid of all the high places. Right. And so he knows this and he's like, what? what, what? That, was, that was stupid. Yeah. Bad move, guys. 
We are, we're destroying gods right now. And you just made it easier for us. And so you have one altar? Pfft, ridiculous. You, you have one god. And then he lists all the gods that we've done. And he says, hey, uh, all you people don't trust Hezekiah. You're going down. Look look at the evidence. Look at what we've done. This it's super foolish. scary. No, it is. Like, it, this is a great like example of a satanic challenge spiritual warfare for sure because all the proof around your life is look god around. will not save you yeah you've made too many bad decisions you're totally weak you're surrounded except the lord says you know actually our god is bigger than all the other gods. Mm-hmm. this is why it's important i had this thought well i guess we'll finish the narrative then i'll have the thought remind me yeah yeah of why it's important there is only one god mm-hmm. okay okay so we'll get there so they're just silent. They don't answer him. They Hezekiah, just listen. Yeah. And then uh, Hezekiah hears this and uh, goes to Isaiah and says, Isaiah, please yeah. speak to God on our behalf. Hezekiah does the thing that we've been reading to do, which is repent. Mm-hmm. It's like he immediately assumes the position of repentance, sackcloth, ashes, oh, God, have mercy. We're totally doomed, mm-hmm. not in a negative, helpless, despairing way, but he takes that despair to the God of life and says, right. God of mercy. And then he goes to Isaiah, the person who speaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even the way he goes to him kind of indicates that Isaiah might be a priest, Yeah, which is cool. And so Isaiah uh, goes, goes to God and says, and the Lord tells him, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the young men of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own hand. And Well, so what happens is Hezekiah has a beautiful prayer where he acknowledges, this Mm -hmm. is what I want to say, the one God of gods. And he's like, God, you see us, you hear us, your name is on us. Will you, creator, uh, will you save us? Will you save us? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Isaiah does the prophecy and says, yeah, I will. I will. There will be a remnant. I'll save you from this. Mm-hmm. You're still going to walk through because even Isaiah's kind of response is there's going to be hardships. Mm-hmm. So like the thing about farming, did you read that? Yes. Where like people are going to have a hard time farming because there's constant threat of war. Right. So for one year, two years, three years, but God will save a remnant. Mm-hmm. But the idea that Hezekiah calls on, I think it's good for us, is, God, I'm surrounded by problems of my own making. Mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by bad decisions. Will you forgive me? And then will you flank those gods, like the things that are coming after me? You're bigger. Yes. So you can surround and squeeze and fight for me. Send your angel to fight for me, you know? Yes. And God hears that and he says, I will. And then he puts the whole confusion and emptiness over Sennacherib. Yes. So that he starts hearing rumors of war. Yeah, so he's hearing, like, uh, an army from Egypt's going to come up and get him. And so then he's like, starts making moves, and he's saying, we'll come back for you. Don't, don't feel good about this. Yeah. We're leaving right now, but we'll come back for you. And then, and then he gets injured, and so they fall back, I think. I didn't know there was the angel of the Lord went out and struck Oh, down that's what happened. Yes. thousand in the camp of the Assyrians. Yeah, the angel of the Lord just straight slaughters their yeah. army. <laughs> so this story is actually a pivotal story for the people of God mm-hmm. because it's another example of the angel of the Lord defending us, yes. doing the work. Mm-hmm. And what's our work? 
Our work is humility and crying out, God, fight for us and help us. And I just take so much comfort in that because my life is engaged in so many things. The older you get, or I don't know, maybe it has nothing to do with age, the longer you walk with the Lord, you realize everything is a gift. My marriage, my kids, the house, the car, my health, my faith is a gift. And so the more you grow into that, the more you're like, Lord... um, like I'm doing this church thing. Mm-hmm. I can't build this. You're right. I, the more I learn, the more I realize I'm powerless. Now I still make decisions and do daily things, but I give it all to the Lord and go, Lord, you allow the craziness of putting a <laughs> seed in the earth and watering it. Yes. Somehow it's going to produce fruit. Yes. Like I'm praying for people. I'm reading the word of God. We can't compete with the culture of entertainment around us. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow you're angel of the Lord fights for us and your word produces things. So I think it's a great comfort that we walk through things, but we cry out to God's wisdom and ways. And then he promises there'll always be a remnant. That's what mm-hmm. I like. I'm realizing too, like you will, you won't suffer like Sodom and Gomorrah and mm-hmm. these other countries and nations that are totally forgotten. Yes. But you will always have a remnant. Yeah. And that's and what we are. The church is a remnant and, and the Gentiles are a remnant being brought in to the faith. Like it's really cool. And, and I think that's always good to remember because even during our time and, with the church and looking there, there'll be times where you look at the church in America just looks dead right now. Right, but remember that God's always promised. I know things look dead. I know my people always look like they're dying, but I'm always working. I'm always saving and there will always be a remnant no matter what. And I'll always bring life back to the wilderness yep. and Boom. Raise my people back up and restore them. And that's always. A, that theology of the cross, where mm-hmm. we always look to the cross. Mm-hmm. It looks like suffering. It looks like losing, but it's the glory of God. That's He's where, yes. defeating the enemy and raising up his mm-hmm. people for his glory. That's where the glory is. Yes. We're always tempted to look at success and like God's more glorified when we're glorified in our success. And it's like, no, we have a theology of the cross. Yes. I like that. And then, uh, so it does say that Sennacherib, because of that, weird death among his camp goes back to Nineveh and goes into the temple of his god to worship and that's where his sons kill him because his god wasn't strong enough to save him from his own kids boom that's why you don't worship false gods because your kids will kill you (laughs) that's not me that's the bible that's the old testament for today some New Testament reading. New where Testament, we, new book. Where do we find ourselves? Oh, new book. New book. Our New Testament reading for today is Galatians chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 10. New book. All right. What new is book. the deal with Galatians, Matt? More Paul. More. We're in the Pauline epistles. Epistles. The letters, letters. by Paul. Uh, and they are not in order, chronological order, because no, we've done not. Romans. We've done First, Second Corinthians. And Romans, yes. And Romans. And so now we're on Galatians. And Galatians uh, is assumed to be one of the earliest letters. Correct. In Paul's ministry. And you, that's important to know because you'll kind of get the tenor of it. You'll get like... You know, think about your first letters. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the first, you're a little bit zealous about different mm-hmm. things in your first letter. And so yeah. I've always uh, read and studied Galatians as um, 
he's very zealous. Yes. Because and one of the reasons I've always brought to it is that it's a under-realized eschatology, which means so like First Corinthians is kind of over-realized. First and Second Corinthians, they're they're walking in all this new freedom. Christ has set us free. So even yes. in our marriages, like we can. It's nothing but freedom. I'm a new man and, and a new like, woman. Whoa, bring it. Like, that's true, but bring it under the reign of Christ. Right. And then Galatians is completely the opposite. Like, we're not free. Actually, we need to get more under the Judaizer's way of thinking. We need to actually yeah. put law back on ourselves to secure our freedom will come through legal. Which was the earlier problem. Right. Was all the Jewish Christians were going around to the Gentile Christians saying... Hey guys, we're glad you believe in Jesus, but you have to obey the law. Well, now that you're in, it's so obey the law. It's so funny, isn't it? Because like in our culture, the only thing you'll ever hear, most people don't even, I don't think they even re- realize Judaism is, connect, Ju- Judaism is connected to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Or when they do figure it out, it's like a negative thing. Like Jesus was a Jew. It's like we're not anti-Semitic. We mm-hmm. are grafted into the Semitic tree. Like yes. we are connected. Yes. But that's like most people don't even realize that. And so once you realize that, you go back to it. It's so natural to see the problem. Mm-hmm. And the problem would be okay. Jews and Gentiles are getting together. I'm a really zealous Gentile. I re- I just am. Yeah. I want to know what's true, and I want to keep growing. And so if I meet a good Jewish person, or I'm like, hey. Jesus was Jewish. He was doing the festivals. I find a good Jewish person, and I say, I want to be grafted in totally. Like, this is the, the Hebrew is the language mm-hmm. of the angels. I mean, mm-hmm. God gave the word of God. Like, he gave the commandments through Hebrew, and I want to learn, and I want to be close. And they're going, I think it makes sense. It's not, you can't look back and think that these people were trying to be sinister. It's no. all good intentions. Yeah. Because we naturally, in our good intentions, are kind of, naturally bad and so we just do the opposite of what we so we think the more works i can do the more i can rest which is funny to say like yes. the more i work the more i'll rest in my goodness no the more you work the more you work and be mm-hmm. devastated and lead you to despair or pride and that's what happened here so leading people from the gospel back to the works of the old testament kind of kills the gospel and that's yes. why paul comes out of the gate roaring here mm-hmm and I get the impression he's established these churches. Now he's starting to write letters. Yes. And he's hearing for the first time, what? My sweet baby church in Galatia is yeah. starting to get back under the law. And they're saying that people need to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. They're saying that people need to put themselves under the law. What? No. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he, he goes very strong on like, okay, let me remind you of who I am, where yeah. I've come from, who gave me the gospel. And he starts to spell it out very clearly and so he starts off with, okay, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who, you, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Yeah. And so he starts off out the gate like, wait, what, Why, what are you guys doing? Why are you uh, thinking you have to follow the law now? I can't believe you deserted the gospel mm-hmm. so quickly for bad news, yes. for law. Yes. Law is always bad news. It's like you're not good enough. Right. And if you're good enough today, you got to do it again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when are you going to run out of energy? Yes. It's yeah. not good news. And so Paul even says, even if an angel preaches something different than the gospel, right. let it be cursed. Let it be anathema. Yeah. He says, even if I have, yeah, if I come to you and I change my tune, like I'll be a curse. Throw me out. Throw me out. 
And so then he has to establish, okay, where did I get this, my version of the gospel from? Where did I get it from? And he goes, I didn't get it from the other guys. I didn't get it from anyone else. I got straight from Jesus. Jesus appeared to me on the road to Damascus and corrected me and gave me the good news. And this is the news that I preached independently on my own without going back and doing any training underneath the original 12. So I was taught this by Jesus himself, Mm -hmm. that his death and resurrection forgives you of all your sin. Yes. It's through grace. Yes. By faith, through grace. So you simply trust in the work of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Then he will do the changing and the work in your life. Right. And so um, I do find it interesting... He doesn't care. He has this thing like, I don't care about human approval as a servant of Christ. So uh-huh. right out, right away, he's telling them, I'm not about trying to align with the right people and right. get credibility. I'm right. coming to you as someone under the credibility of Christ crucified, and that's it. That's what unifies me mm-hmm. to God, and that's what's going to unify me to even the apostles, and that's what unifies me to you. Yes. So if you break from this, we are not unified. Mm-hmm. And so he even says... He's like, after a while for preaching the gospel, he finally went to Jerusalem to meet with uh, the apostles and with James, the brother of Jesus. Uh, and he's like, I met with them. We all got together. And I shared with them what I was doing and preaching. And yeah. they shared with me what they were doing and preaching. And we are all like, oh, sweet. We're doing the same thing. Except uh, Peter, James, and John... They're doing it for the circumcised, the Jewish believers, and I've been called by God to go to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. But we're preaching the same gospel, and they found no fault with me. That's what's so cool is that he he wasn't, he didn't make Peter the final authority on Mm. like commissioning or anything. He just says, we're connected by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Peter gets it. Yeah. And the only difference between us really is we're under the commission of Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sent to Gentiles, and he's sent to to uh, Jews, and so um, there's a unity in that. And then yeah. what he gets from is the fellowship, the right hand of fellowship. Mm-hmm. Like you are, we are working together to establish the gospel on earth as it is in heaven, and we are in fellowship that way. Yeah, and he even says, like, I can confirm too that. Uh, the original 12, Peter, yeah. they're with me on this. Like, right. they agree with me. I had Barnabas, who's a good, a God-fearing Jew, yeah. and then I had Titus, who is a newly converted Gentile, and we all ate together, and no one questioned or thought anything about Titus being there, because remember, yeah. it, among uh, Jewish tradition, you're not allowed to eat with a Gentile. Table fellowship with, yeah, unclean people you would be makes unclean. you unclean. And so that's the, you have to remember too, the cutting edge nature of the gospel mm-hmm. is bringing people together that were for centuries apart. Yes. And so finally he's like, when we, all was said and done, the only thing they asked me to do right. was, hey, we're going through a famine right now. While you're out among your other churches, among the Gentile nations, would you uh, collect money for the poor here in Jerusalem? Yeah. Again, it's it's a big ask because they're like, okay, you're seeing Gentiles get saved. Do you think they would care about Jews mm-hmm. back in Jerusalem? 
And Paul's like, that's the very thing I'm eager to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because Paul understands, no, we're coming under Christ, mm-hmm. which then strips us away of our national identity. Right. Like we are now, I have a whole new identity. And so, yeah, I want to help my brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so these churches that are under the reign of Christ, it's the very thing I'm eager to do is to send aid and help mm-hmm. in your time of need because we're all brothers under yes. the lordship and the fatherhood of God and Jesus Christ, his only son, crucified, buried, and risen. Boom. You know what I mean? Like, And so that, that's pretty cool. And what we'll get in, I think we'll get into it more is the legalism mm-hmm. is really the the big thing Paul's fighting here. But to start off, I've never really connected, I think in light of reading Corinthians especially, Paul has to come out of the gate saying, here's who I am, mm-hmm. commissioned by Christ. I've been given a revelation. I was the guy killing you. Yes. Now I'm the guy bringing you life. Yes. So no one understands the shocking nature of this exchange more than me. Yeah. Like I understand what Judaism is requiring, yeah, no one does that better than me. I understand both sides now, yeah. and I'm telling you. So I know I'm not here for your approval. If I was, I would still be a zealot. I'd still be a Pharisee. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to like be clever about this. I'm telling you, I have one goal, and that's the gospel, because it sets us free. So we'll be addressing legalism, I think, in the next yes. several days. We will be. In Galatians. But thanks, Paul. I know. Very, very interesting. All right. Today, I'm going to be reading Psalms 107, verses 10 through 22. I give you the right hand of fellowship, Matt. Oh, thanks. As long as you stick to the gospel, buddy. All right. And I'll give you my left. Um, wait. Wrong time to make a joke. Okay. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their heads down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and he cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent his word and healed them. He delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. been fed by ravens go in peace and serve the lord we'll talk to you next time